You're listening to My First by Athletes Media Group. My First is a series that takes athletes down memory lane as they reflect back on intimate moments and the highs and lows of their first professional game and their first professional season. This week on My First, we have the Knuckleheads. We have everyone's favorite basketball duo from the 2000s, Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles. They have their great podcast, the Knuckleheads podcast, and we talked to them about their first, their first game, their rookie season. They came up and they made basketball real cool again. Everyone remembers the famous knucklehead celebration. We asked the origins of that. We had a funny moment asking Q how long it took him to get his first shot up. Spoiler alert, it was not very long. And we asked Darius about his acting career and the perfect score and what went into coming straight from high school to the NBA. Hope you enjoy this week with Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles on my first. Let's get to it. Welcome back to another episode of My First. For the first time today, uh, we have two guests. Uh, they had the same first game. They are co-hosts of the insanely popular podcast, Knuckleheads. We have Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles. How are you guys doing? Oh, good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're good. Thank you for having us. Yeah, no problem. So as I mentioned, uh, My First presented by Athletes Media Group. We'll just take you down memory lane and talk about your first game. So before we got recording... We were talking to Darius, and he remembered. Uh, Q, you said you don't remember who you played in your first game. I don't. Well, does it does it help? Could I, let if, me give him a hint. Could I give him a hint? Give him a hint. Absolutely. Yeah. Our first game. Our first game. I got into it with Brian Russell and Odin Powell. Okay, this was Utah. I was yeah, gonna say Utah. Utah. That was my guess. Utah or Denver? But okay, Utah. Yeah, Darius, you actually had the uh, you won the opening tip against Olden, and a note for you, Quentin. You got a technical on your first bucket. Do you remember that? <laughs> well, <laughs> sounds like you. Hey man, I mean, I got hyped. I got probably got a little overzealous, and you know, we was in our early days of, of celebrating when it wasn't that that you know welcome in the league, especially by you know a couple young chumps. So I probably caught the technical that. Hey, Dima, did you hear that? That let me know I was out there right away, boy. And you know what's crazy is the way they let them hang on the rim, I'd be so fucking jealous. I'm like, back in the day, they would never let us swing on that. <laughs> and that's what did it for you, Q. It was hanging on the rim was your technical. Charlie, you hear that, D-Miles? Listen, on the pod, y'all don't know, it's a huge back and forth about me dunking and all of who I dunked on and whether I dunked enough and this and that. And so I told him, I said, listen, I got dunks, bro, and this is a prime example right here of y'all hearing that right out the gate, my first game, I had a tech. Getting a dunk. For hammering on somebody, yeah. What you supposed to do? 
<laughs> spent a lot of time researching for the show, watching your highlight films. If you didn't have enough dunks, then quite frankly, I don't know who who did. There's a lot of good ones out there. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm Darius doesn't want to hear that. I don't think I'm looking. Appreciate you. He dunked like James Worthy. This big game, James, in the one hand. I wish I dunked like him. I had them big hands. I got more dunks if I dunk like him. James Worthy did two dunks his whole career. <laughs> Those are a whole lot of buckets, though. Yeah, yeah, a whole lot of buckets. All right, so October 31st, 2000, the Delta Center in Salt Lake City. Take us into you guys' pregame mindsets. What's going through your mind as you're ready to run out into the floor for the first time as NBA regular season players? I was uh, I was hyped. Um, one of my things is uh, ever since I started kind of playing basketball and with when it's been fans in the stand, I have these like kind of jitters, but it, you know, my mom kind of helped me, helped me psych myself out of like, it's not jitters, it's anxiousness. So I was like, I felt real anxious to get out there and just, you know, start this, the NBA, my NBA career and my NBA season off. Yeah, for me, I just remember, just remember like, man, it's, this is it. It's finally, you know what I'm saying? This is where it counts. This is the regular season. Cause you know, in the preseason, that's just, you know, exhibition and any vets on your team gonna be sure to let you know that this really doesn't count. So for us, man, I know me personally, I just remember thinking like calling my pops and my family and everybody before we went to the game and then just getting to the game, like, man, we about to play the first game we playing against against Utah. Like, you know what I'm saying? We out here in Utah, it was, it was just surreal to me. Just, you know, a couple years earlier, I watched Utah battle it out with, with MJ and the Bulls for the, for the finals. So, to be there, and that's the first game that was crazy. We've that's what I was saying. You know, we diehard Jordan fans, so we had beef <laughs> yeah. that they didn't know about. You came in with beef against Utah. <laughs> Before the game. They didn't know about it and didn't care about our beef, but we hated yeah. it because they were challenging the fools for all of you. Utah has a reputation for having some goofy fans. I know Vernon Maxwell has a long-standing beef <laughs> with Utah fans. How were their fans that night? Like you guys mentioned, you were the young guns coming in. You were the big names. Was it a pretty lively atmosphere that night? Utah always live. Uh, they got diehards. Like, <laughs> I'm talking about yeah. diehards. Whether they winning or losing, they coming out and showing out. So Not it, much else to do there. Didn't have nothing to do with <laughs> us. It was like they, they diehards. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the things that people sleep on about about Utah is the is the uh it's the arena setup. Like they definitely have, you know, diehard crazy, crazy hype fans. But I think one of the things that adds to a lot of the situation that we've seen over the years between the fans and the players is that not a lot of arenas are, are right up on you like that. They give you kind of like that small college or that high school small gym field where the fans are like right there. It's kind of real you know, steep the arena the way it's situated and the fans are like right there. They they real real tight and cozy with you. So if somebody wanna say something, you more than likely gonna hear them crystal clear. And so that's where a lot of the situations come from. Now, I want both of you to speak to this. We'll go with Darius first, going from high school to the NBA and Quentin coming from a mid-major to the NBA. It's a pretty big leap up. Um, obviously, you both have been playing basketball your entire life, but for the atmosphere, was there a noticeable difference between the previous level and then the NBA level? It was slower than what I thought it was. Really? That really? was one of the main things that I I noticed about it. You know, in high school, you'd be so just up and down, like using your top speed and all this stuff. You gotta, you gotta go to speed limit 
<laughs> when, it, when you get in the league, and it, uh, and that was an adjustment for me. I was going too fast sometimes, making trying to make plays too fast, just going too fast when they tell you, hey, slow down, slow yourself down, you know, take your time. And that was one of the big things for me coming out straight out of high school. Yeah, for me, man, I think the biggest difference I saw, obviously the uh, the level of competition was, 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 a, was a huge step higher. The game, I think the game was the, the, the game competitiveness and the level of skill was a difference for me. In college, I, I, I the biggest hurdle I had to to to, uh, to get over was man-to-man defense. I had never played man-to-man defense, literally like in high school, I didn't play it a lot. We played zone. And then when we got to college, I didn't I didn't play it a lot. So I didn't know any of the NBA principles. So when I got there, defense wasn't my deal in the first place. I was a scorer and a rebounder. So to not be have any knowledge of that being get thrown into the two-guard position, which was one of the toughest wing positions in the league at that, you know, when we came in, it was that was a big hurdle for me. That was the biggest thing that I noticed that I, I didn't know how to defend at all. So let's jump ahead to tip between yourself, Darius, and Olden Polonies. You're st- you're in there in the center circle. Sounds like uh, there's a story we need to hear too with Olden. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, all eyes on you ready to start the game. What's going through your head as you're about to, to jump that one up? Uh, nothing. Uh, my thing with, with the big centers, me being 6'9", and, you know, at the time it was a lot of seven-footer, just get up quick and try to get get the ball and tip the ball to, to my players. I actually didn't get in. It really went, Olin Pilot was just talking. I got into it with Brian Russell. That was the person I was actually guarding. What happened there? He, uh, you know, I'm guarding him and, and he was just boring me for no reason. Like, <laughs> like just, just not, not no like crazy balls, but it was like, you touching me too much, you know? And on defense and offense, he touched me too much. So he bowled me one more time and I bowled him back. So, you know, then you had guys like Carl Malone and Odin Polony, like, hey, young fella, you don't want none of this. <laughs> and I looked at Carl Malone on and was like, yeah, you're right. You're kind of right. If I'm going to hit you with something, I ain't going to fight you. <laughs> so, y'all know what was going on, man. Byron Russell was trying, he saw this young, this, 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 this young speed out there. He said, this young Thundercat, I, I got to use my, my strength on him because he might run around me and dunk on me. So I'm going to try and let him know that, look, I got this elbow and this forearm for you. So chill out. But and he, it was at the time, he, you know, he didn't know how to be, be miles and we was built like we was built different. Yeah. It, me and Q, you know, we was real protective of ourselves. You probably got into it with one of us. You're going to get into it with both of us. Q was on the bench. Q almost got ejected because he even hopped all the way off the bench. Cause we was right in front of our bench. <laughs> I remember that. And I don't know. I just, he was just touching me too much, too many, just like little cheap little bows, not nothing that really hurt me, but it was just the fact that you felt that I wasn't, I was the one that you on the boat. Right. Yeah. Like, no, nah, I'm not him. So, <laughs> so a little bit under a minute into the, into the first uh, quarter, you get the first bucket of your career. Do you remember who threw you the pass? Mm. Q Candyman. Candyman. Oh, that, I must have cut after he he did, uh he got it in the post or something. Yeah, I mean it was yeah right at the beginning of the game. So you can credit uh, you can credit Big Mike for your first bucket. Oh yeah, well, that's, love that. that's love that. Like no, nah, Mike was my he guy. Kicked out the illustrious career. <laughs> yeah, Mike was my Damn guy. Man. If you cut hard, Mike would definitely look for you. Sometimes it'd be a slow reaction, but we we get it. <laughs> Q, going to you, uh, when Coach Gentry first looks down the bench and tells you to go in, be honest, are you nervous at all or are you just ready to rock? 
No, nah, I'm hype. Okay. I was hype. I was every time he looked down the bench, I was staring him down like, <laughs> bro, is it my time? Like, <laughs> I'm ready. Like, bro, I got my hands on my tights, ready to snap straight up and run up out there. I, was, I don't want to get the look like he was slow getting up. He wasn't ready to go. I I heard you. That was my name. Every time he turned around and do something, I'm like this. Like, <laughs> do you remember who you checked in for? I don't. It was probably Darius. Corey, probably Corey, huh? It was Darius. Oh, I went in. Yep. I went in for the practice one. Yeah. See, <laughs> yeah, it and, all you, goes and you went in. Q, I got. I got to ask you about this. You went in, and it took. How long do you think it took you to get your first career shot up? Man, listen, I'm 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 like I'm like Quake Oatmeal, man. You just add water. I'm real quick. I know it didn't take longer than a it, minute. Did it, it took five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that sounds like him. Hey, look, that sounds just like me, don't it? You <laughs> gonna let that thing fly? It yeah. ain't too many shots I saw that I didn't didn't think I could go ahead and take. Now, yeah, I see in our note, our in our notes, hoist literally five seconds into his debut. High <laughs> school coach, Mister Gary Adams, would be so proud. <laughs> I know he was proud to see that. And then your first bucket was the dunk that you got teed up for hanging on the rim. With 15 seconds left. So, I mean, that, yeah, that sounds all pretty on brand for you, and I love it. Everything pretty much goes together. You know, the overzealousness, sometimes too excited. I get it. Yeah, that goes with it. So you already mentioned the the tussle with, with Brian Russell. How much trash talk was going on the floor that night? Who was doing the talking? Uh, We we was doing talking, and Carl Malone, Odin Polony, and, and Brian Russell, that was kind of – the guys with Q, that was kind of the guys that were really talking there. Like I say, it kind of came from that. It really wasn't, like a lot of guys took offense to us. Like it, it wasn't always pieces and cream of how we played. We early, played, early, it, early. As soon as we started, it was, we don't like that young stuff or it's a level of respect you pose to give. And, you know, we came in trying to earn our respect so I couldn't back down. So, you know, every cuss word and, and a lot of other stuff was said within that that tussle or that that push back and forth. Because like I said, I, I I didn't really bow. I kind of pushed them, bowed them, you know what I'm saying, after he bowed me. And, you know, that's when, the, you know, refs break it up and, you know, they talking. And, you know, somebody like Carl Malone that looked like Schwarzenegger. He, looked, there, he looks like, like a problem. He, he, <laughs> he's, saying, he's saying that tough talk to me and I, and... He definitely looked like he had whooped my ass. Yeah. I, <laughs> couldn't bag that down. Smoke. <laughs> I couldn't bag down. It was like my people on TV watching me. I can't let nobody see me. So Darius, <laughs> how often down. how often would other players reference something along the lines of this isn't high school anymore? Uh I never really got that. Okay. I never really got that. I ain't really I ain't really had problems with players. I ain't, you know. Especially ones that I I knew it wasn't that. Like it's times where I got tangled up with a player or they threw a bow, but if that wasn't what it was, it was just a game. I ain't really gave it no light. The real the realest thing we really had issues with early on was like like D said, we came in, we was young, 18, 19. And when we started doing this, they looked at that. Some people, not all, some people looked at that like as disrespect, like we disrespecting them or disrespecting the game or that we think any less of the game or we don't play as hard at them as they do or that we, whatever, for whatever reason, some people took offense to it. Not all, because like I said, a lot of the OGs and a lot of the, uh, you know, our, our peers and everybody rock with us with it, but it was like, 
some games we would get into it with people like, you know, we do our stuff like you come down and then you try and make fun of it and do it back. Now I got to chuck you. You know what I'm saying? Now, Cause now you being disrespectful. Like, it's different if you doing your own thing, you talking your stuff, but like where I come from, if you try and do my own thing to me, you disrespecting. So now I gotta respond accordingly. But like, that was pretty much as far as that went. That was John Barry or Brett Barry you chose? That sounds like, the same that sounds like one of the berries. That's 100% nah, one of the berries. We was busting. Detroit had. We were doing, you know, we celebrated and he, he had a couple of threes, so he felt he should do it. And next play now, shoot the shit out of him. So, so where did that come from? What's the origination of that? Oh, uh, Westchester High School. That was uh Trevor Reza, Hassan Adams, Bobby Brown, uh Bottoms, all those guys. Uh they 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 uh that was their celebration. We, you know, we were 18, 19 coming in the league. So we still went to a lot of like whoever were the top high school teams and our top high school players, we would find those games and go to them. And so we kind of struck up a relationship with the Westchester team because they were right there, like literally like 10, 15 minutes from the Marina Del Rey, Marina Del Rey, where D Miles lived. And that was right in between our practice facility where in um, Southwest Junior College where we practice. So we struck up a relationship with those guys and then it led one thing led to another. They asked us to do their celebration in the game. Like they literally were in high school. You know, when they scored, that was they that was their high school thing. They would get hyped and everybody, you know, so they was like, yo, y'all should do our thing. And it literally started from there. We started doing it and then um we had did it for like one game or whatever, and then we was leaving it alone. But the fans started asking to keep doing it. And then, you know, we brought it back and just, you know, it kind of, the legend grew from there, I guess you could say. But that that literally started with that height, that Westchester height group of high school kids, Trevor Reese and his teammates. Yeah, I mean, I can't speak for you, Kyle, but that, I mean, where I'm from, that's iconic. Like that, oh, was, it's such a no huge part of my many, childhood. How many yeah. goofy white kids were doing this in our practices, hitting threes and go back down the floor. Like, like we we're Q and D miles. That's why we here right now. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously your first game you had on the floor. Uh, I want to go back. Uh, John Stockton, is he much of a trash talker? No. <laughs> I did. I didn't imagine so, but he if he was, that would be a story. Is one of the strongest people I've ever encountered, though. He yeah. does not look like it, but if John Stockton run up on you and set one of those screens, oh my God, he set it's one of those screens from Malone to come through, and I just was like, what? Yeah. Yes, John Stockton was strong as hell. He didn't say nothing. He just came in, kick ass, take names. <laughs> like simple, and his screens was the best screen a point guard ever could screen. Because point guards don't want to screen big guys. He screened at seven footers like he's seven foot. <laughs> oh, I, I have a John Stockton question. We've asked a couple of the other guys this. There's always been the rumor that at home games that kind of pumped up his assist numbers. Can you guys put any truth on that? You know, Shit, the way he was going to work. He didn't need nothing. Never, 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 they told me he had 20 assists. He had 20 assists. Okay. <laughs> and was right. He was prolific. He don't need his stats hyped up. His stats, he was, they were amazing. Yeah. So the first game you were on the floor with uh, with Carl Malone, John Stockton. After that game, were there any, wow, I'm on the floor with so-and-so moments for you guys uh, throughout, your, throughout your rookie season? Oh, yeah, that was all through the league. Like, you know, because we coming in as – as fans of this game. Like we watched this game since we was toddlers <laughs> down there. Like, mm -hmm. so we fans of the game. So once we own there, we definitely got to keep our composure and make sure we stay competitive. But it, it is surreal moments to be out there with John Stockton and 
Carl Malone, and then you playing Kobe and Shaq and Ray I Allen, Ray Allen, Big Dog, and Spreewell and Allen Houston, then Morning and Rasheed and Duncan and the list goes on and on. It's like all your favorite players you playing against. So you you know you're trying to prove to them, you're trying to earn, earn respect for them. I tell you my biggest, my biggest aha moment, wow moment, period, my rookie year. Like obviously, like D Miles just said, every other night was like, wow, we playing AI, wow, we playing this person or that person. No moment was bigger for me when I then when I played against Scottie Pippen. When I played against Scottie Pippen, I for real had a moment. I call, I I can remember calling one of my best friends right before I left to get off the bus, like, bruh. <laughs> we we about to play Scotty tonight, bro. Like Scotty, like this is Scotty Pippen. This was like, you gotta understand, everybody is dope to me. Everybody is the business, but but it's Mike and Scotty for me. You know what I'm saying? Chicago kids. So like, bro, when I got to play against Scotty, like I remember when I checked in the game, I'm look, I was just looking at him. He's standing there with the forearm with the with the wristband and got pip on me. Man, I was just sitting there looking at him like, man, it's Scotty, dog. Like he's touching me, like he's just sitting there playing D like this. I'm like, dude, Scotty Pippen right now. Like I was losing it, like for real. And I was like, he said, I was composed inside. Of course, I was keeping it player. but I was losing it inside. <laughs> like, bro, this is Scotty. Like when I scored on Scotty. Man, please. I was I was cool. I was like, man, I scored on Scotty Pippen, bro. Like yeah. I do. Like, please, I'm I'm good. Yeah, out of all of them for me, KG was the one for me. And and you drew a lot of comparisons to KG, right? Yeah. Coming out of high he, school. He was the one I was watching. Uh he did a senior in Chicago and we did the sports illustrated cover uh before the before I played a game. And you know, every time I seen KG. It was like an all moment, but I went so hard at him, you know, because I wanted to prove to him and get earn his respect. And, you know, the guy I look up tell me I'm nice. Shit, I'm nice. <laughs> so Q mentioned the Chicago connection when he got on the floor with guys. Um, Darius, I'm curious from your side, a guy like Larry Hughes, uh, yeah. was there already a relationship there to where you knew Larry or was it? When you played with him, was it kind of surreal? It's like a couple of St. Louis kids making it big. No, I already had a relationship with Larry. Larry been uh, knowing me since I was like in ninth grade. So we, we already had a relationship. You know, he was the bar I was chasing. You know, he was the guy that was right in front of me uh, that was in my area that made it to the league and uh, made McDonald's and did all the things that I wanted to follow up and do too, you know, it was like seeing the recipe or, or, or something like that. So, uh, yeah, we already knew each other and, you know, it just felt like I made it to be on the same court as him. Yeah, we, we, we both like, we both got the same tattoo that Larry Hughes got. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. On him since high school, like that's really like the big bro. Like we grew up. So like being around him, like he was more so the one who introduced us to everybody. Like, introduced us to Allen Iverson for the first time and like we hung out all that stuff. So he was like, for real, like a, already a big bro OG type to us. Did you guys play against the MJ Wizards? Of course, I have pictures in my home. He said the MJ Wizards, do we play against oh, MJ yeah. Wizards? Do you know that? I mean, that was after though, that wasn't our that wasn't our first year though. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was our second year. That was our second, our third year that he played. But uh, yeah, you know, I got the, we get them moments. You know, we tell the cameraman, hey, make sure you get this. When I go up to MJ and I hug him, 
make sure, make sure this is us. <laughs> so take us back to your first practice. Um, you walk in as rookies surrounded by, by all the vets. Um, what is that first interaction with the team like? Our, our first practice, we had to run around a fucking track. <laughs> well, really, <laughs> think about it, D. The first, the first thing we came to that was official was media day. Me and D. Miles showed up with the super size super soakers with the backpack joints. They was looking at us like we were crazy. Okay, why did? W- w- yeah, why did you? We just sprayed me. Thought it was funny and we thought it was dope. I don't know why we <laughs> thought it was. We thought it was cool. We was literally we love. We had just got them guns. We was taking them guns everywhere with us, and we said we gonna roll up in the into the uh, media day like this. It is pretty funny. And, yeah, we, yeah. and we did. It's a good we thought it was dope. Idea for and next we year. that thing up. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> so Q, we talked about your first technical. Darius, do you remember yours? Oh. I'll tell you, I. I was not able to track this down, so I don't have it in front of me. So he's, I was about to say he was not a big technical yeah. guy, though. Yeah. Yeah, my text started coming. When I started being top five in the league, I was in Portland. I was a jailblazer. Yeah, so I think that, that just that comes with out? the territory. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, now my earlier days, if I did get a tech, it was from hanging on the rim. What about either for either of you, first ejection? Oh, I got ejected in – I got ejected in Cleveland – I got ejected in Cleveland. Cleveland <laughs> yeah, I, I got ejected. I took my jersey off like Robin and and dropped it on the court. I don't even remember my first ejection. I don't. Yeah. Were there any officials that you guys had running issues with? I I, I wasn't too fond of Joey. I wasn't too fond of Joey. It was it, it was what Joey we was gonna get that day. You know, not saying Joey is a bad ref. He is one of the best refs to ever ref the game. But sometimes Joey be having his attitudes. He be in his he be in his mode before the game. <laughs> so me and Joey were the cool. But everybody else was was cool. You know, I love Violet. Uh, yeah, King. Yeah, like it was it was a lot of people that that you know that was cool. Uh, my first couple of years, uh, I used to walk up to the refs and shake a hand. Like uh, I think Sean Rooks was telling us that he was like build the refs, show the show the respect to the refs. So like uh, when we first were coming up, you know the guys of meet the captains of meet after the captains meet, do they little handshake and talk? You know guys like me and Q used to walk up and you know shaking hands. So every team that I went to, I used to tell the rookies, you know I relayed the message, tell the rookies, hey, you know every game whether you play or not, you walk up and introduce yourself to the to the refs, tell them your name, just just in case they don't know your name. Yeah, I never really had no problems with the referees. I had, you know, a pretty, especially for for my temperament, I pretty I pretty much had a good uh, rapport with the refs. You know, Tony Brothers is one of my favorites. He used to always touch oh, me, come up yeah. to me for the game and look at me, say, "You had your crazy stuff today. You had your <laughs> crazy things." Like, all right, now, like I want to make sure he he always had a joke for me, so I always. Tony was one of my favorites out there. He was always hilarious, but he ain't play. So going back to your high school days, uh, at what point in your high school career did the idea of becoming an NBA player start to become a reality for each of you? Uh, for me, it was a reality. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm like every other kid. I'm like, yeah, I want to make the NBA. I want to make the NBA. But uh, after my junior, the summer in between my junior year and senior year, when I went to Nike camp and um. Me and Al Harrington, we were the we we were like the top two players in the camp. 
uh, you know, they didn't have an MVP, but like we were like the, the consensus top two guys out of the camp. So after that, we went, you know, you start the AAU circuit. I remember being in Columbus, Ohio, we in the, um, we there for AAU tournament. And my coach, AAU coach, Larry Butler, he called me to the room and he, you know, he sat me down and he had a talk and he was telling me he had been contacted by, you know, a list of NBA teams by scouts that was asking about me this, that, third. So it was like from that day, I can remember walking out the room, and, you know, it's like the little hotel where you walk out the room, you outside, you walk down the hall to your room, you, you know what I'm saying? So it was like that. I can remember getting out the room and like walking back to my room, thinking to myself, like, I'm going to the league. Like, I remember getting in the room and telling my partners, like, yo, Coach LB just said this, that, and the third, these teams. He's like, man, I'm going to the league. And it was like, I didn't know that I was going, whether I was going to go straight out of high school or not. But at that moment, that was when it was a reality for me. I, I felt like from that moment, I felt like it's not if I'm going, it's when. And that, that from that moment on, that was like, I, I looked at it like that for me. Does that change your mindset, how you attack practices, games? Yeah, because I felt like I had, I felt like I had a lot to lose. You know what I'm saying? Because I was like, yo, this is within my reach, all I gotta do is, is is not screw it up. So I gotta make sure that I don't, you know, have anybody around me that can screw it up. And I gotta make sure that I move the right way to make sure that I get to where I'm supposed to get. Mine was like my senior year. Uh, I committed right, I committed to St. John's right before the season started my senior year. And uh, my junior year it was all college coaches with the polos on. And, you know, my senior year, the college coach, once I committed, college coaches stopped coming. And, it was NBA coaches with the polos on. So uh, I knew it was a possibility. When I knew I was definitely, probably for sure when I finished the McDonald's and, and USA game at the end of the year, I, I had two great all-star games. And you know, after that, it was like a no brainer for me to go. They was telling me I was top five. So before we, we jump into draft night, at what point did both of you realize that you were cultural icons like you were the definition of of cool for kids from coast to coast um we have this magazine cover here uh if we can put up i'll see q i see which magazine cover do you have behind you right now oh that's espn magazine with me elton and uh andre miller tell me you have the espn cover with like the needles coming out of your head yeah it's in my house in the um, office yeah that's the best ever that's that's Darius, tell me you have the one with you and KG up, the Sports yeah, Illustrated. Like, at what point did you guys realize that you were the definition of cool in sports from coast to coast? What we got with Jordan? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, I think when we got when we got with that with, with Jordan brand, and um, I mean, obviously, you know, that had a lot to do with we. I mean, we were with Jordan to begin with, though. So I can't even say when we got with Jordan. I think it was when we. Like when once we started to get our opportunity to play, and we, you know, what I'm saying we ran out there, and we like you. It wouldn't matter what what point in the game we could be losing, we could be, you know, losing by twenty or winning by twenty or whatever. When we got in the game, we all we we both felt like it didn't matter how much time was left. It was it was this was our moment. This was like yeah, there you go right there. There it is. Like that, I think that was the thing that, that that translated that we were eight, we were kids, we were teenagers still in a men's league that was really not at this point. You know, at that point, it didn't have a, a team that looked like us. We looked like a college team out there. So so all of the kids, and we didn't know this at the time, but I think it, it was something that we came to understand as the years and the time went on. Like, we're popular because 
we are the we we are from that culture. You had the hip hop industry that we were from that culture. So they started to wear Lamar Odom and D Miles jersey more and more. Like you saw Lamar Odom and D Miles jersey popping up everywhere. Not until year two or three that you see, you know, my jersey and um Corey jersey start getting added. But right from inception, Lamar Odom and D Miles jersey were super, super hot items in the hip hop community. You could turn on 106 and Park BT and any number of videos, you're gonna see any number of people with those one of those jerseys, if not both of them on. And so after that started, you know, we started to see where the reach came from. And then obviously when this came, that took it to another level. And I think even still while we were there, because it was a quick two years before G got traded and stuff like that. So I think we still had no clue until we got older in the league and had our teammates that started coming and talking, man, we were doing this in high school. You get Nate Robinson on the team as a Nick, and you're like, dude, my whole elementary school, everybody in high school, everybody in my hood. And you start getting, then, you know, I, I get to hang with DJ Augustine, and he's saying the same thing. Or this person, like different players telling you that same thing, and then you kind of realize, like, that's kind of crazy, bro. You know what I'm saying? Do you see different videos of, whatever player, whether it's LeBron after in a high school game doing it or or whatever player, it was just a lot of that. And it was like, okay, this was looking back in hindsight, it was kind of crazy. And it's, I mean, and speaking for Jordan too, as a couple of 30-somethings that were in middle America, I mean, you made basketball that much more fun for us. And we, we played through um, high school and a little bit beyond and it, it just made basketball all that much more cool. It made it that much more fun. Um, I think at that time in the early 2000s, it was a, a breath of fresh air because you really only had AI that kind of fit that mold to like, let's make basketball as fun as yeah, possible. Yeah, for me, it kind of reminded me of a second coming of the Fab Five. Yeah. Like they they brought that to college basketball. You obviously did that for the NBA. Just like you say, a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Going into draft night, Darius, you knew you were going to be at the top of the draft. Q, I imagine you, did you go into the night thinking you could go anywhere from the top to the middle of the round where you ended up? Like what were your expectations going into draft night? My expectations were to be a lottery pick and a top 10 pick because I felt that's what I was. I felt I was one of the more talented, you know, capable guys that was going to be available in that draft. Now, obviously, you know, Jeff, my uh, my agent, Jeff Wexler, he had us both well informed and I was aware that, you know, I could go anywhere from, you know, like as high as seven or eight, but as low as 20. So I was aware of that, but I was, I was in my mind, I'm like, I'm better than a lot of these people. That was what I felt. And, you know, that was how I went into it with my thoughts. How about you, Darius? Did you, was there any range of outcome? Did you pretty much know you were going to be slid into that spot? Uh, was there thoughts of that you could have gone first overall? I wanted to be number one. I, I definitely wanted to be number one. I felt uh, KG was the highest high school player ever to be picked at five. So I, I definitely wanted to be number one. Uh, that was the only suspense of the whole night because it was a 50-50 chance that New Jersey was going to pick me a Kenyan. When they told Kenyan, my mom was like, I'm not sending my son to Canada for Vancouver. <laughs> I didn't even work out for You're the You're on the Clippers. Steve Francis. Yeah, I, I didn't even work out for the Clippers, but the Clippers didn't pass up on me, so I got picked third, which was, was a great night because, you know, I, it was a historic night. Did you have destinations that you were hoping for? Obviously, Darius, uh, being more at the top of the draft, you had some likelies. Quentin, was there any anywhere that you kind of wanted to land going into the night? Nah, I didn't care. I just wanted to go. I just wanted to be a, a lottery pick, and then wherever I was going, I was just going to be ready to put in work and, and hopefully be, be in a position to have an opportunity to play. 
I think that was the biggest thing in hindsight for me that that, that I took away from the uh, from that night that I because I was salty. You remember, D? I was mad that I got picked 18. I, that I went that low. I had to sit there in the green room and watch this pick, that pick, that pick, that pick go. But I think that was the one thing that I took away from that. Like, okay, number one, I'm going to LA with my boy. Number two. They got Keon, Keon there as well, and they got Corey McGetty. So I got people there that I really, really know already that I'm tight with. So like, and number three, I'm about to get a chance to play because they record was what it was, and they got all these picks because of the, you know, they weren't that good. So I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I got a chip on my shoulder to take in here with me, but I, I know that I'm gonna get a chance to play. So I was cool with that. I had my boy with me. We were gonna go through all of this rookie stuff together and experience stuff. I, I had somebody lean on; they could lean on me. But we're gonna have a chance to play. I, I wanted to. I wanted to go to Houston. I think Houston had like the seventh or eighth pick. But uh, Houston was one of the teams I worked out for. And man, Rudy T. Rudy T. was just my man. Like I just love Rudy T. And. You know, they had Steve Francis, you know, we just watched him in a dunk contest and the exciting rookie year that he had. Like, I wanted to go to Houston, but you know, they couldn't get down low enough to get me. So I, I have a question for you guys. Uh, we'll start with you, Q. Who busted your ass? Uh, first, the first person was Bashawn Leonard. Bashawn Leonard caught that fade in preseason, Denver. <laughs> It was, it was a combination of the altitude catch me, but me being a young young punk thinking thinking and being arrogant and taking him for granted and like, ah, oh, he just was silent, like, you know, just whatever. First six minute timeout, I sat down getting subbed out. That man had 17 on my face <laughs> in six minutes. And it was, it was, it was, it was however you wanted. Mid post 17, <laughs> pump fake and ones. Losing me off the screen, being heady, hitting open threes, like yeah, however you want it. How about you, Darius? Uh, mine was first person I felt defeated was Chris Webber. A lot of people bust my ass. Chris Webber, uh, he was just man, he was just jump hooking my ass to death, like jump Baby. hook, jump hook. And you know, I try to use my athleticism because you know I'm, I'm af more athletic than him at the age of his career. But man, that shit didn't hey. work. <laughs> yeah, like 36, you know, the nastiest jump hooks ever. All right, so I want to I want to get into your hometowns, Chicago and St. Louis. Q, let's start with you. Who's the best player to ever come out of Chicago? The best player ever from Chicago, in my opinion, Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Lord Thomas. All right, I'm, I'm one for one in my guesses. And Darius, St. Louis? I'm not from St. Louis. I'm from East St. Louis, but we can East, add St. Louis <laughs> to that. Yeah, go. But. All right, no, actually, because because I want to be right. Do East St. Louis and then do St. Louis. Yeah, I'm, I'm East St. Louis. I'm the best player ever to come out of. You going to guess that? Yep. Play that damn, be that damn. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I feel like I'm the best player to ever come out of St. Louis. I don't feel like I'm the, I had the best career, but you know, my time- Come out and go third in the draft, it'd be hard to stuff. argue otherwise. Huh? Yeah. yeah to come out and go pick. third in the draft, it'd be hard to argue otherwise that you're not the best player. So yeah, I thought um, I thought going with the old head on East St. Louis, you might go with Lafonso. No, nah, I, I think- Lafonso Ellis. 
Oh, Lafonso. Yeah, I forgot about Lafonso. He definitely, he definitely was the, the best player until I came. I think uh, <laughs> just with me, just just knowing basketball, seeing basketball, I feel like I, I just brought a little bit more than Lafonso Ellis. You know, I feel like he was a, a power forward, and that's what he was. I feel like I was more versatile and brought so much more. Yeah, he was like, a, you know how they say in 2K, he was a demigod bill. He was somebody that was doing things that he wasn't supposed to be able to do at his side. I feel like I was a little bit unique. But, you know, shout out to Fonzo Ellis. You know, he's always been one of my favorite players. And shout out to everybody in St. Louis that's, that's good and, and continue to be good. Q, do you know what the, what I'm about to play oh, here? Henderson. <laughs> you mushed him. Like, you yeah. mushed that man like that. You just mushy? Yeah, I mean, I mean, what does he man. say to you after you disrespect him like that, Q? No, so I play. There's a backstory to this, right? <laughs> you can Google this. The very we played them back to back nights, home and home. And I want to say this may be the first night, and the next night he did the same thing that he did to me with Jason Richardson. And Jason Richardson almost got. They both got double technicals and got into it. So what happened was. Typical Duke player, typical Duke guy. <laughs> I love it. Being dirty, <laughs> being dirty. So he's, you know how, like, when you're trying to get get free on screens and everything, I'm trying to lock and chase, lock and trail him out. So he's trying to play games and all this and that. He's stopping and going. But when he stopped and go, he throws his arm off to, 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 to go away. And he he caught me right here in my lip. My whole lip was, was slow, right? So halftime, I go in the locker room. I'm pissed. Jameer Nelson, funny guy. He's steady trying to mess with me. He's his locker next to mine. He's steady asking. I'm sitting there with the ice on my mouth. And now I'm 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 super pissed. I'm not playing. I'm sitting there. So he was trying to crack jokes with me. So when he saw, he like, he he got the vibe. He said, oh, okay, I'm gonna leave you alone right now. I said, <laughs> yeah. So then we go out. That was literally, if you can look it up, that was literally immediately after I subbed in the game. That was the first play when I subbed in the game on him. That was the first thing that happened. I told him at halftime, I say, watch. When I come back out here, I say, your ass is mine, boy. And so the very, if you can Google it, the very next game, the very next night, the same exact thing happened with Jay Rich. And Jay Rich is a cool, mild-mannered dude. Jay Rich was at him trying to fight him and do everything else. And I told the ref then, I said, I told y'all before the game that this was going to happen because I was already on, 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 on notice for him. If he did anything that game, I was going to be at him. <laughs> But that's what happened there. Because everybody see that and think like, oh, why did Q do that? But you don't know. Like, my whole top lip was, was swollen, and he did that. Before we get into our last segment, jumping back to D-Miles, do you have any good uh, stories from the Portland days, the Jailblazer days? Who did we talk? Did you ever play with Damon? We talked with Damon. Yeah, Damon, yeah. the best point guard I ever played with. Another uh, thing Damon said, I want to get your guys' opinion. We yes, asked most of the players. Damon said, by far, Toronto had the best dance team as far as talent. Is, that, is this true? Dance team, the women. I'm happily married. I have no clue about that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no? They, they, was, they was up there, though. They was up there, though. But you had, you know, you had them Laker girls. You had them, them Miami girls. Miami girls. Like New coming York up, yeah. girls. Like, you had Chicago girls. They was out there. They was out there. I don't think I can just claim just one city. Yeah. <laughs> Were you there during the uh, the invention or the height of the ball don't lie era by uh, Rasheed? Uh, no, I got there. I got there when she was there, but he left two months after. He got traded two months after I got there. 
So I, I was definitely there and I heard a lot of stuff from she, a lot of stuff that he said, like, <laughs> but yeah, I was there after that. So we, we've been told that off the court, Rashid isn't like that volatile personality that you see getting all the technicals that he's pretty chill. Rashid is one of yeah. the coolest dudes yeah. ever. Yeah. Well, you think, it's, it's crazy to see how NBA players and other players involved in the game embrace him and show him so much love. But then when you see the media talk or try to speak of him in a certain way, it's like, man, you don't even know Rasheed Wallace. Like it's a reason why, why people like Kevin Garnett and Tim Duncan and a lot of these greats respect him, you know? The thing about it is it's like, people have to be able to separate. Like how can, it's like this, right? If you can, you can see an actor on TV and you can separate him from his role. Like you have to be able to separate the art from the artist when they, when they yeah. get between the lines. Like we have to be at a, you know, we at the highest level of competition. If you're not in that mode, like you're not at optimum performance. Yeah. Not emotionally like, in that mode. We, we have, have to be in, in that space and we have to step Pull, you know, all 10 toes down into that space. So it's like, it's a lot that comes with that. Think about you guys, right? You guys are regular guys got a show, right? When you guys go play pickup ball, it get fired up sometime, I'm sure, right? At some point, somebody yeah. get mad about a call, somebody get mad about a, a, you not passing the ball or something like This man over here called the police a few months ago at pickup ball. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> I, that. that's what I'm saying. like I don't understand how people, somebody could get pissed because the light turned green or the turn signal turned and the car in front of them ain't gone in the first two seconds and they hunking the horn, but you don't understand how a player or an athlete could get upset in the in between the lines if somebody pushed them or something, a rep does something and you get a tech like, come on, bro. Like you, if it was a technical, a ref to call a technical at that stop, like you would have got a technical. You would be at, you yep. would be about to get started getting fined or costing games for the technicals you got for, for the hunking horns at the light. We should that's institute a, that. that. Yeah, that should be instituted. Rob, that's your job to go around teeing up people in traffic. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit that's about all the podcast? I'm saying, man, they got to they take it a little easy on us athletes. <laughs> we human beings too. So tell us a little bit about the podcast. How did it start? Um, what, what was the concept from it from the beginning? Uh, tell us a little bit about the origination and, and how it's developed over these seasons. Uh, I would say it got started, you know, both the they were, they, uh, they were about a year year apart, but they were really well received. And um, I was like the co what is it co executive writer or whatever on D Miles' um, story. So <clears throat> while we were doing that, it was a process. That your story took about what a week or so to do, however long it was. They got to see, you it's know, a, my, we did it. We did our, we did my story in like June, but we didn't release it to October. That's right. what it was. It, it, I didn't. I was still iffy and on the fence about letting letting it out. So it took after we did it. It took four or five months <laughs> for us to the okay to the actual release. And we was talking about doing a show, but we didn't know what show we was gonna do. And then they kind of we kind of met in the middle with Players Tribune, and and they came up with podcasts. And you know we didn't never heard of a podcast. We did our research, got into it, and uh, when we started the show. Uh, I didn't want to do cameras and microphones. Like I, I hated cameras and microphones. Cameras and microphones gave me anxiety, <laughs> you know? But the uh, way they did it with editing and all that stuff, we tried to st stick in a positive light. You know, you have so many uh, media outlets that 
just want to say anything about the negative or whether it's light negative or whether it's some real very serious. But uh, with us, we wanted to share the positive light and we want to share the positive light on the guys that might not have been Kobe or Jordan or Bird or Magic. We want to show the light on how special just a lot of guys that come through this league are. And um, just keep the positive energy, stay in the positive space and uh, just have good laughs and jokes. And that's what our show is basically all about. Yeah, and we feel like that we we provide a a, 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 a safety zone. You know what I'm saying? When somebody, when, when whoever the guest is, male, female, athlete, entertainer, whatever lane they in, like, we 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 want them to know that we we've been in the same seat you sitting in, and that we want you to be as most as comfortable as possible, and that we want this to go a hundred percent the way you want it to go. And there's no clickbait, no none of the foolishness, no drama, no none of the none of the silly stuff, man. We just we just keeping it real and high. We wanted to feel like if, if it was after a game and we on the bus ride back to the hotel or we on the plane flying back to the next city. We wanted to feel that vibe, like cause that's really how we be chopping it up. These are the same things. What you see on our show, if there was no cameras and there was nobody here, me and D Miles would be sitting here doing the same thing, talking about different players and the guys we like, what we like about them or what they do and how they play. This is what we do 24 seven all the time. That's what makes it so great for us because it's like, it's a job, but it's really not a job. This is what we do all day long anyway. Yeah. And it, you know, it's it's an edited show. So it's a lot of stuff that be said that, whether it's from me or Q that, that, will go viral, you know what I'm saying, if we ever put it out there. But like I say, we in a positive space. We want to put positive energy out there so we can receive positive energy back. So that's where we at. I really enjoyed the Isaiah Thomas episode as a Pistons fan. Clearly that he's oh, that was a, that was one, one of two. That was a deep one. <laughs> were there any others that were particularly uh, memorable or, or funny that stuck out to you guys? Man, it's, it's many. Had our guy it's, Nick on. Yeah, Nick the Quick. Ken Bay was, was fun. Nick the Quick, you know, he was fun. Big <laughs> big Baby, Al Harrington, D-Wave. We, we did it outside on, on D-Wave patio right by the ocean. Like, you know, it was a lot of deep experience. Kobe, going to Kobe office, the whole setup to get Kobe. Yeah. It's hard. It's always hard for us to, to to say which is your favorite. I mean, I would I would say, uh, obviously because of everything that's happened with Kobe, that's a sentimental, you know, a, a special one that's close to us because it was one of the last things he really did like that before that happened. So, um, but I mean, all of them. I, I, that's the cool part of our job, man. We get to really like these say all the time. We get to really be fans and, and, and like be excited, like, yo, we got such and such. Like, when we got Sean Kemp, we was like kids at a candy store, for real. Like, I, I, like that was in one of our trailers because it literally happened in real time when we were having a Zoom call meeting and he, had, I had been reaching out to him and then he called me back while we were on the call and it was like recording on the Zoom and I'm like, this Sean Kemp. And it's like, we all wilding out on the call, like, and then it's like, I hang up and it's like, yo, we good, we locked in. It's like, you know what I'm saying? Like we steal our fans about this and like get hyped when we get to get certain people and get to know that we gonna talk to them. So for us, it's like, you know what I'm saying? We get, we fulfilling that that kid dream when you collecting basketball cards and wishing you could meet Michael Jordan or Patrick Jordan. It's like, when we got like, when we got Cynthia Coop on the show, it was like, dude, like 
we was all raising the roof <laughs> because of you. Like for real, like this is like, this is a sick moment and we get to sit here and chop it up and listen to her and tell her, she tell her how she watched us and all this. And it's like one of the best things in the world. Like money can't buy it. It's one of the, one of the best feelings that you can get when you get your peers, you know, we telling them how we feel and they, they get to say the same things about us. Yeah. I, I think the special, the special ones be the ones that don't, you really barely see on TV or they barely do interviews like, like a Sean Kemp, like the Loch Ness Monster, you can't find or capture. Yeah, Coleman, yeah. yeah. And for them to sit there and be like, oh, D and Q, oh, you know, I don't do this, but I'm definitely coming to holler at you boys. And that's that'd be so much love that them be a little bit more special than others. Because you know, like when it, you see everybody else, you see D Wade and you see Shaq all on TV all the time. When you see them guys like Kemp and Derek Coleman and stuff like that, Cynthia Cool. These guys like these saying ESPN, Fox, Turner, all these people are, are are going jumping through hoops trying to get them and they no, they won't do it. And then it's like they come and they rock with us. Like that's a that's an unbelievable feeling for us. And you can find the Knuckleheads pod uh, anywhere you get podcasts, part of the Players Tribune Network. Now who the hell is Rod? Yeah, I was wondering who the hell is Rob. We wrap up with a segment called Who the Hell is Rob? He's been off screen. He has a few questions for you guys. And take it easy on him. He's a Spurs fan, LSU fan. He's just kind of an overall weirdo. But Rob, hit him with your questions. Uh, Q, were you excited to be traded to the Knicks and play at the Garden? Hell no. I can ask for him. <laughs> <laughs> so Rob's original question, I, I told him to massage it a little bit. His original question was, can I ask Q how pissed he was when he got traded to the Knicks? <laughs> that was the appropriate question. That was the more part. Like, I was, I was. You go from worst to first. <laughs> I, I said I was at my, at my highest point of festivity was here. I was somewhere out the screen. Festivity. Like, I'm telling you. So the story was that I, I had just built a home there. I had, like, was building a home. So the whole season I was in, like, the builders had me, like, in a rental home, rental property while they were completing that. Literally, I can't make this up. I had like a crazy backyard with like two different pools with Lazy River combined and all this stuff. So like, literally, they start filling the pool up. They they just this close to completion. They start filling the pool up. I get traded four days into that. Like four days into them starting to just fill the pool, I get traded on that on the fourth day, and I'm sitting there like. When I say, I know for a fact, I was more mad about not being able to live in that house than I was about actually getting <laughs> traded. Cause I was so pissed. I was like, yo, yo, like I'm the type of person that I'm like, nah. Cause I had like this insurance thing in my back and I could have botched the trade. I was flying from East Coast to West Coast to make this thing happen. I flew from Phoenix to New York. No, I flew from Chicago out to Phoenix, then to New York and then back. To make this thing go through, I had to get go to Steve Douglas and stuff. Cause I was pissed. I was like, man, screw this. I don't want to be nowhere where they don't want me. Like I ain't want to do no Robert Ory situation where they tried to trade me, didn't go through. And I had to say, I was like, hell no, I'm not that person. I, I would not be able to be here. <laughs> and so, but that was that that yeah. You gotta think about it. We were 62 and 20, the best team in the NBA, and the Knicks were the worst team. So it was like you went from literally best to worst. I was sick. So being able to play home games in the garden really meant nothing to you at that I point. Mean, that was, that, I mean, obviously that that became once I got over everything, it was cool. But 
it was a lot to get over first. Is this Rob? This is Rob. Wait till you hear his shooting prowess. You can't. That's me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) all right, here you go for you guys. Uh, And this is a little bit more on the Quentin Richardson side here. Uh, Since he won the three-point contest, uh, how many consecutive free throws or and or three threes uh, have you made in a row? I have he just wants to tell you his answer. Yes, exactly. So how many free throws do you think he's made in a row? Take guesses. Go. Look at this goofy bastard right here and tell me how many you think he's made in a row. I'm going to show you my shooting form first. <laughs> oh, he's lefty. A lefty. I'm a lefty. lefty. He probably made a good, good 15, 10. <laughs> tell him. All right, for the for the free throws free or the throw. threes first? Free throws. Free, free, free throws. throws. 264. Whoa. See, I knew he was about to say something crap. I was going to yeah. I was going to say I was going to say like like 75 or something. I wasn't going to say like what he said. I knew that he's a shooter. He's a shooting well, I'm cup. glad you said this question was for more Q cuz you know <laughs> my free throw percentage was bad and my three point percentage was bad. I was shooting a lot of them. But how many threes in a row? 50. Mm. 50 of the dot. So he has a video on YouTube. He tried to convince Nick to watch it. And Nick basically politely said, hell no, I'm not spending an hour watching a shooting video on YouTube. Because <laughs> <But laughs> I had to rebound on my shots. And so Nick I put him on. Lefty, 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 Nick yeah. lefty. Keep going. All right. So this is for both of you guys. Uh, what was your go-to pregame jam? 50 Cent. Uh, 50 Cent and Eminem, many men. Mine was Biggie. I can't say the first word. Bleed like us. <laughs> Got it. Next. Yes. You have one. More, you have one more. Yes. It's for and Darius. Right? Darius. I'm interested to hear this one too. Yes. Uh, one of my favorite movies growing up was Perfect Score. Um, <laughs> Why are you laughing? I actually liked Perfect Score. Why are you laughing, Darius? <laughs> I'll be trying to tell them I should have won the Oscar for that, but they they be hating on. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was it like uh, filming? A lot of the cast members that's 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 superstars now, they was very, very young. Was Erica Christensen in it? Yeah, Erica Christensen. Scarlett was the youngest. Scarlett was was 17. Scarlett was in it. So she was young. She wasn't uh she was real cool. She used to come and watch me and my best friend play video games all the time. Everybody was cool. We was like a family. We used to eat out all the time, eat together, go to dinner. It was real family origin. I had them bring a basketball goal to the set. (laughs) And we used to shoot jumpers and stuff. And they used to be like, all right, quiet on set. So we had to hold the ball. So how old were you when that was filming? I was 21. 21. 20, 20 21. Yeah, so by then, seasoned vet almost in the NBA. And were you both in Van Wilder? Yeah. 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 What was that experience like? Oh, it was fun. Same <laughs> thing. It was cool, man. Just winning shot at Cal State Northridge. Did a couple, two, like two days, right, bro? Yeah. Yeah, shot up there for like two days, and um, it was cool, man. Just fun. We we always all that stuff was like we was we was wide open for it, just having a good time. Everything was just fun. One thing about Vancouver, like that was that was kind. Of, I had to do it in in. I mean, one thing about the Perp School, I had to do it in Vancouver, like so. I had to spend my summer, like two and a half months. So you did have to Vancouver. end up going to Canada. <laughs> yeah, I had to spend it in <laughs> Vancouver, which Vancouver is a beautiful place, but you know it was just different. And you know it's your summer, so you never want to give away your your, your summer away for, for nobody. But uh, I enjoyed it. It was it was it was real cool. 
Awesome. Well, I think, are you all good, Rob? Uh, yeah, but, you know, Darius, if you need some shooting lessons, that's what I do for a living. Yeah, he still needs them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My shooting days are over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a ton. Um, we're going to be sending people to the Knuckleheads pod. We're going to be getting some of that gear when you guys drop it. We'll be sure to get it out. Um, we cannot thank you enough for your time today. Oh, no. Oh, Thank the OG Nick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We will. We we send them thanks all the time. So as always, thanks a ton. This was Darius Miles, Quentin Richardson. They made basketball cool again in the early 2000s, and we really appreciate them spending their time with us. Have a good day, guys. Peace.